0: Hello, and welcome to Regrets, I've Had A Few. I'm Paul Hunter, Artistic Director of Told By An Idiot, and this is a podcast where I talk to friends and colleagues delving into what made them the person they are today. Hello, and welcome. My guest this month is one of Britain's leading theatre directors, and he's been in and around and responsible for some of the best new writing in the UK over the past 25 years. He was an associate director at the Young Vic Theatre and Shakespeare's Globe, and he's collaborated with some extraordinary writers, including Martin McDonough and Dennis Kelly. His work has been seen at the National Theatre, the Royal Court, London's West End and New York. And I'm really proud and pleased to say he also directed one of our idiot favourite shows of mine, The Fahrenheit Twins. Welcome Matthew Dunster. Hi Paul. Hi Matthew. It's lovely to see you and to chat with you. Obviously, I know you well and we know each other well and we've had, I've had the joy of being directed by you. So we'll touch on some of those things. But like I always do, I'm going to go take you back to the beginning, which I, correct me if I'm wrong, was Oldham in Lancashire? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, similar, obviously similar generation to me. And I think probably some things in common. I know you're a very keen football fan. Were you a keen player of football when you were younger?
1: Yeah, I was, yeah. And I and I was, you know well, you know what they say, the older you get, the better you were. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I was. I was I was I was a keen sportsman all around. I was uh, captain of the school football team, captain of the Sunday League team, right in youth. Played for the town team, olden town team a couple of times. Um I always feel a bit bogus because I only lived about five hundred meters from Oldham Athletic football ground. Mm-hmm. But the estate I was brought up on was an overspill estate as they sort of cleaned out a lot of the slums in the 60s in Manchester. A lot of those families moved to what had previously been farmland where they built the estate I was born on and grew up in. And uh, so a lot of the families that arrived were United or City fans and um, the family that I sort of latched onto, they were... They were City fans. But, yeah, I played it as well. Yeah, played it.
0: So, I, I, I as a very keen footballer myself, and uh, we made a show earlier this year that uh, celebrated the greatest ever achievement of my team, Aston Villa, when they won the European Cup in 1986. Uh, one of only five English teams to do that, Matthew. But I, yeah, I
1: to... and my team haven't done it yet.
0: <laughs> anyway, I'm going to jump in with my first regret. Do you have any regrets that that was not something that you pursued professionally a life in football or not? Well, do you know what there was a guy
1: on my school team? I, I was when I was a kid, I was exactly the right age when they were when they started um, the kind of first feeder system for the national team through Loughborough in Loughborough. Okay, I can't yeah, remember yeah. what it was called. But basically we would have been the first intake. And I had a kid who played on my school team called Mark Robbins, who's now the manager of um, Coventry, and famously kept Fergie in his job. And when you played with someone like Mark Robbins, you knew there was no chance that you were ever going to be a professional footballer because it was just a, just another it was just another league. Do you know what I mean? So, and I don't really ever regret. And to be honest, a lot of the things that I used to do that were sporting, once I started drama, I gave them all up because the demands of being in the drama group at school were such, and that was such that the teacher, one of the brilliant things about him was he sort of rigorously demanded such commitment that things like Sunday league football just all sort of drifted away. So no regrets, really.
0: Well, that um, I, I, I suppose I was, that takes me slightly to my next question, which maybe is to do with, how the, your earliest kind of connection to theatre or performance was there anything in the family or was it through school no, or through school 100
1: um very powerful kind of moment really i we had i went to a comp so everything was mixed i think i can't remember whether we were streamed for english or not or whether it was just you know mixed like every other lesson but um My English teacher had a nervous breakdown. I don't think I was anything to do with that. But she she had a nervous breakdown. And the head of English, a guy called Colin Snell, he came in and he said, right, you got to read. I want you all to read from this book, whatever we were studying. And everyone groaned, oh, God. And this girl called Elaine Cording said, just if we're going to read, can Dunny read, which was my nickname. And I think it was probably because I was the only one... (laughs) could read <laughs> so i read out from this text well i can't i genuinely can't remember what, what it was and after the lesson he said come here he So we're doing the school play I'd, I'd like to be part of it and it was kez and um i read it and i thought oh god i hope he doesn't want me to play the kid who falls in love with this bird and um, and he didn't because he had a, a more established fourteen year old. And he asked me to play McDowell the bully, and I loved it. And I can remember being on stage, Paul. And it's that bit in cares you know where, every, all you, we, where everyone gives their fags to that poor little kid, yeah, yeah, and to give the, uh, the the headmaster a message. And we were all stood in a line. And I looked at these other three actors stood in a line. I thought, they're just stood in a line. I'm acting here. And I can remember sort of digging my foot into the floor as if I was bored. And I just remember thinking, I'm really good at this. And it was it was, it was was that instant. And I was just, that was it. How old were you, Matthew? 14. Okay. And I had lots of other stuff going on in my life that wasn't great. I've written all about it. And you can see the hills of play that I wrote about me. And... um. So there's lots of tough stuff going on. And I think it just landed at exactly the right time. And I loved it. Um, So I definitely did it before I saw it. I think I might have seen Pantos, but I became a fan of theatre through, again, this teacher taking me to more and more challenging and serious stuff as I went through school.
0: Well, it's interesting because it's a very similar experience to mine. Again, an English teacher who who provoked me into being in a school play. But your school play sounds much cooler of the mind because i was in a production of androcles and the lion by george bernard shaw so it sounds like i went to school in about 1875 <laughs> but, but, but yours sounds much more raw court and cutting edge than the but very uh very, and then was there a youth theater as well did you join a youth theater? no we didn't need to because the
1: school was just so full-on you know we we did four or five productions a year when we were wow. 18 when we were 18 we took a we took two shows in the same in 1988 when I was in the sixth form. We took two shows to the National Student Drama Festival, Orphans by Lyle Kessler, a really yeah r- quite rough and ready American three yeah. under. And and I was in the the year below me was the was the, the brilliant actor Paul Hilton, who's now about to play um, Iago, Iago. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I was a year above him, and we just did everything together. We were we were he was. Um, we were Blood Brothers in Blood Brothers, I was Riff and he was Tony in West Side Story, so the two of us just went through this sort of incredible journey, playing all these lead parts, and we went to the National Student Drama Festival when we were 18, and there was RADA there, and actually did you go to Middlesex Poly or Lester Poly?
0: No, Middlesex. They
1: were both there, they used to go to, the they were always a big presence at the National when Student When you Drama went,
0: Festival. was it Scarborough?
1: I went when i went and uh i'm, I'm going to finish the story just because of my ego me and paul won the best actor awards uh, oh, so that's i'm just that's just the i only said that's the level that the school was at but no i went to the last one in cambridge okay in 88 okay. but then i went back i did another we took um another show when the people that hadn't got into drama school we carried on doing stuff on our own with this teacher. And then we took bouncers to Scarborough in 1991. We, and then I basically went from Scarborough to Bretton Hall. Uh, I went to Bretton Hall because of NSDF, because at NSDF, the, the three main presences were always Bretton Hall, Leicester Poly, Middlesex Poly.
0: Does John 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 Wright used to go there a lot. I remember going up and doing yeah. some workshops up there with him. Yeah, yeah. 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 He was well, the presence. This is quite interesting as well because obviously, have you worked professionally with Paul? Have you directed Paul? Do you know what we sort of
1: drifted apart, and I think we sort of probably we sort of semi fell out when we left left school. It, you know, not in a big radical way. And he went off to Welsh College, and I went off to Bretton Hall. And then we both ended up weirdly having done played all these parts together, brothers in orphans, and all the rest of it. I mean, always the two sort of male leads. We both got a job. In um, the daughter-in-law, directed by David Lannert, the Young Vic, playing the two brothers. Ah. And weirdly, because I'm a year older, whenever we were at drama sc- at school, I was always the older brother, and um, and I felt older than Paul because a year at school is a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, but when yeah we it went is. Yeah. Back to the Young Vic, he played the older brother, um, and I and I played his younger brother, and it was um. It was just extraordinary coming back together, like I think Paul described it as, like just slipping into a pair of old shoes that you'd forgotten. You know how comfortable they were, and what a treat! Do you know what I mean? To to have grown up with someone, playing yeah. brothers, and then gone away doing your own thing, and when we were in our early to mid thirties, we we got to be brothers again professionally, which was great. And I directed him. He was my um, Doctor Faustus when I did Doctor Faustus at the Globe. Oh
0: okay okay so um well, that's a yeah, fascinating we... journey that you had someone that was that close to you at school that's gone on the same journey well different journey but the same uh, essentially the same journey and then it, it and been very successful and then i think about breton hall and, and obviously we you and i have talked about this before and i think about this in relation to where i went Haley and i were at middlesex and i think there seems quite a lot of connection between the training of Breton and the types of people that came out of Breton. So not necessarily uh, a pure acting training, but about theatre makers and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, Middlesex above us was people like Phelan McDermott and Julia Bardsley. And then, of course, around and in your time was new, an extraordinary group of performers that we both know, Mandy Lawrence, Richard Katz, The League yeah. of Gentlemen. Were, yeah. were you conscious of that kind of, atmosphere of, of those of those types of theatre makers or was that new to you when you arrived there it was new to me and i needed to be
1: sort of reseduced seduced by it really i mean i'd seen it at, at the nsdf and obviously the experimental stuff that the, those universities were doing rather than what rada was taking there or what bristolovic was taking there obviously pricked some part of my consciousness. I thought, yeah, I want a bit of that. But to be really honest, I couldn't get in any of the drama. School. So Same that's in. why I went <laughs> that's why I went to the one of the well, I went to Breton all. And um but yes, I was conscious of it. And and I was blown away. I, I was very lucky because of this NSDF award between the ages of 18 and 21, I worked professionally in London. I worked at the National when I was like twenty and I, and did a job at Payne's Plow and what was then so Poly. So I arrived like Billy Big Boots, do you know what I mean like I, I as as a professional actor who had decided to come and train. I think what really blew my mind there was was dance uh, because there was a fantastic dance um thing. I mean, Breton was just the perfect mixing pot because it it only had it had three theater degrees, community theater theatre arts that I was on, technical thing. Then it had fine art, sculpture, sculpture um, dance, classical music and pop music. I mean, so it was just, that was it. So the people you were hanging around with, the people that you got to make theatre with, um, it was just sort of built into the bones of the place really yeah. and I really enjoyed dance and there was a company um, set up by lads who were in the third year when I was in the first year called second. Who, who i think are the kind of great lost company really of, of your generation, the companies yeah. that that came through your generation and frantic etc and um and mandy was was a f- yeah. sort of founding member of that and that they were the first people i performed with when i left um Britain. so oh yeah i mean i was sort of craved the experimentalism of it once once i'd Seen it? I, I didn't know it existed. It has, to, it has to be put in front of you, doesn't it? You, it does. Otherwise it just, does. You, you have to. Do, have otherwise, you just, just do George
0: Bernard Shaw. Of course you do. Of course of you. you do. I was very good in it, Matthew. By the way, it's um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I had a very similar trajectory. I didn't get into any of the established drama schools and went very reluctantly to Middlesex, very reluctantly and quite angrily, I think, if I look back. And uh, and it was only encountering John who opened my eyes to what. Theatre could be and what it was, and then obviously fortuitously meeting Haley in my year that 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 changed how I looked at things. And I often think when I look at your work, and also having been directed by you, and I'm thinking probably more shows like Choice and Cressida when I did that with you. I think maybe my question is is it feels to me that that combination of stuff that's quite experimental in your background and in your training has kind of continued into the way that you look at lots of plays, whether they're Shakespeare or or a piece of new writing. It would that be correct or
1: Yeah, I, I feel actually probably more free when it's Shakespeare or when devising something with like I did with you guys, yeah. Fahrenheit Twins. And you saw the work of a, a company that I had for a while, um, called The Work. Yeah. I think you saw Project B or Project... We just yeah. used to say Project B or Projects. And um, that's where I, I really feel free because I do think actually the other reason that I direct is I kept being in things or I, I wrote things and and being very disappointed with how they were directed. So I I didn't leave that college with any ambition to direct. I was very happy writing and acting and, and had a pretty good successful career in both those areas but I sort of became a director by default but it is connected because I guess the thing that I felt people weren't doing was, was taking risks but you've worked with me I mean that what I thought everybody there was somebody came and wrote a chapter about in, in their book about our trolls and Cressida rehearsals and one of the things he said that really struck me was that I directed you completely differently than I directed everybody else. And I think that's about being sensitive to what an actor A needs, but B can provide based on their experiences and their confidence and their influences. Mm. And um I just realized that you needed to dick it out. Yeah. And 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 that was and then so what, what you do with someone and i and i don't say that dismissively i think <laughs> that, that's about play and that's about yeah, yeah yeah and then i wait and then shape yeah shape your material and yeah. and and you know particularly with you and Haley. um i i don't really like being in the room i set tasks yeah. and go i'll be back in half an hour
0: yeah
1: let's see what you've got you can't do that with everything no I'm very negligent in no the, no and
0: of course and I, I think see. in a way it brings me back to football really because I think about a really good coaches who they're not coaching every player exactly the same I mean they're, they're yeah. saying to one particular player they might be giving much more direct tactical kind of instruction and to someone else they're giving a different type of freedom and i I think that I think you're right I think that's certainly when I direct i feel that's something that feels quite important in a way is to both build a group but also be able to negotiate with people in in different ways. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember seeing you in stuff and, and particularly loving you in, in a, a wonderful Richard Bean play at the Royal Court, which I'm now going to forget the name of where you aged. over harvest. Thank you. Arvest. I absolutely yeah. loved that play. And uh, and uh, it's the first time I saw a uh, performance I really liked, like Adrian Hood was in it.
1: And I yeah, thought your performance
0: fantastic. was amazing. And I suppose obviously you you've you articulated why you fell into directing if you like uh, have you ever had regrets around not keeping the performing going to or, or is that now a thing of the past
1: no you know it strikes me actually how emotional i feel when you ask that question because it really is a regret you know and um, and weirdly that you know that that performance at the royal court I never really left the stage except to no. have a bit of makeup thrown on my face and get in a different wheelchair. I, I played him from 18 to 109, Yeah, you know, and um, lost my legs during the play. And so, you know, I used to just run off stage. People would pick me up because my legs were tied up and lift me out of one wheelchair um stick a different wig on and put me in a, another wheelchair and, and wheel me back on there was one night i had a secret wall that, that the audience couldn't tell because there's no way i could always get out the door but in the blackouts so i could push the wall and it was it was on a um, okay and it was hinged and one night i went up to this wall nothing didn't move <laughs> so i'm trapped in a wheelchair can't get out can't get out and I just basically smashed my way through the wall. There was no other way of doing it. So I've got to get changed. There's a completely different decade. <laughs> but um, and, and that's the last time I ever went on stage. And so to do something that big and then stop is really sad in a way, but it, it just happened to coincide with when I started directing. And you'll know this, as directors, I mean, I know what I'm doing in 2024. Yeah, because we get booked in advance because yeah. we're in the brochure. So there was just it happened so quickly. The directing that there was just never any time. the The young Vic did a fiftieth birthday thing recently, uh, um, and they asked me to do a monologue, like I don't know, ten pages, and I learned it and I did mm-hmm. it. Um, at this um, okay, oh, there was two days at the end of lockdown, and that was terrifying to come back on stage. Having not been on stage for 16 years. Wow. And do a monologue. But you know, no one can help you. Was uh, absolutely terrifying. Uh, but I I loved it and I miss it. And I you know, I would very rarely, very occasionally, some young director brings me up and says, We're doing a workshop, will you come and do
0: Yeah. No, week? I'm
1: sure. And I'm like, Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I just skip there. I just can't believe yeah. it.
0: And also you know, I find as someone who has continued to do both. I I still very much enjoy the sense that, and I've always believed this, and maybe it comes back to me enjoying dicking around in your words. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always been firmly of the belief, as you know, that, that a performer shouldn't carry responsibility at all. You have a responsibility yeah. to turn up and yeah. to yeah. listen and to engage, yeah. but you shouldn't carry responsibility. I think that's the whereas the director should and needs to so i like and it's
1: you know responsibility is crippling you know it's like i've probably spoken to this about this before as a mate but you know the amount of anxiety and therapy that i had to get through when i started directing i mean i just never sleep i just was like i felt so responsible for the whole thing i managed to get on top of that a lot but I mean, actors often don't like it when I say this because, it, again, it can sound a bit sort of dismissive of what they do, but it's really not. I do think it's the difference between being a parent and a child. You yeah. want your children to play and you want to shield yeah. them from responsibility, but that doesn't mean you think they're sort of infantile um, idiots, to, you know, <laughs> to, to quote the other. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just. Um, yeah, you, you you shoulder that responsibility. And I love when, I, you know, I love the notion about just finishing at six and going to the pub. Yeah, and that's very
0: yeah. important. No, and I think it's a, it's an interesting thing, because I haven't touched on a huge part of what you do, and that's writing. And I think that clearly is something that you are really passionate about. And i imagine also informs so much of how you think about things you know adapt, whether it's adapting something like saturday night and sunday morning or or as you say writing your original work do you think that sense of you as a writer has helped you when you've gone on to collaborate w- with uh, i i imagine quite str- i've only met him very briefly but quite strong personalities like martin McDonough. do you think your your own sense of being a writer helped you with that or not It doesn't matter
1: um I don't know. I mean, with Martin, it was just about getting... Up. I don't know why I was sort of so awestruck or scared of him because the, because the way I met him was was really good fun. He was in Paris, of yeah. course he was, and I got the Eurostar and we got absolutely smashed. And then I got the Eurostar home and just before I got on the Eurostar, he said, let's do it, which was when I directed Hangman. I'd never met him before. And I realised now that was probably my audition. Yes. But when we were auditioning, for Hangman, I was auditioning with Amy Ball, the casting yeah. director, yeah. so the three of us. And then every time there was like a proper break, me and her had run out of the room desperate for the toilet. And I and I said to her, why do you always wait till you're desperate? And why do you only go to the toilet when I go? And she was like, because I don't want to be left in, in the room on my own <laughs> with him. And I was like, that's why I wait to them. Because he it was he's incredibly on one level imposing, yeah, um, which is about I think a kind of projection based on just the, just
0: the weight of his craft. I mean, he's absolutely one of the best. No, no, he? it's a, it's it's phenomenal. But I also think I, I remember seeing your your brilliant production at the Royal Court um, uh, of Hangman, and I went with another writer a friend of mine, Carl Groves, and and we watched it and loved it. But it, I think you and I talked about this afterwards. But it won't surprise me if I refer back to one of your colleagues from the Bretton Hall days because that production contained for me one of the finest piece of physical comedy that I think <laughs> I've seen. In, in, uh, uh, and that was obviously Reese Shearsmith in that moment towards the end of the play. Um, with the chair. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, utterly <laughs> phenomenal. And um, I, I just wonder, I, I, I think you answered this, but I want to ask it again for the listeners is how you negotiated that moment as a director with the, Obviously, brilliant instinct of that particular performer. What was that negotiation? Do you know what Reese will say to you? And it's really disarming. He'll
1: um, it, be approaching a moment, and before he does it, he'll go, uh, "How funny do you want it?" <laughs> and I'll go, "Really funny." And he'll go, "Are you sure?" It's a bit like that. Have you seen that thing where he's improvising behind Peter K? No, no, no. Oh, you got to watch it. You got to. You know that thing where Peter Kay just drives that woman to work. Oh with yeah, yeah. And there's always a different person in the see. Watch the outtakes of, okay. of, of, of it's sensational. Anyway. And he can just turn it up. It's like he's got some sort of dial. But I remember um again it's a bit like working with you. You watch someone play and you you um you feed back what choices they think that you think work the best. Um but the great thing about it was that was sort of irrelevant, really, because the, it it occurs when a chair gets kicked over, yeah, and that is so unpredictable. The chair might not fall over; yeah. it might slide a foot; it, it might nearly go into the audience. And to so watch him find a new bit of comedy based like it sometimes it move an inch and you just sit on it, yeah. And I don't know why that was hilarious, yeah. but you know he just he just always he's just a very very. I, I think,
0: clown. of course, yeah. and I also think what, what you said it w- was why the audience loved it so much is that the audience, even if it was only subliminally conscious of it, they were conscious of something that was genuinely happening in the here and now. So yeah. it wasn't a piece of choreography or a piece of blocking or a, it was genuinely a performer yeah. responding to something and and uh, obviously that, that that really appealed to me. But um, And then you went on to work with uh, Martin McDonagh Madonna again on the, the Hans Christian Andersen? Uh, yeah, a
1: very, 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 very dark matter,
0: yeah. And which I, I was working and didn't see, but how was it returning to something very different with it? Because I imagine that play is very different to Hangman. Well, by then
1: we were very close yeah. and we were friends. So, you know, we cut a couple of scenes from the very, very, very dark matter during um the previews. I don't think I would have dared... Proffer yeah. that in the first relationship, yeah. um, it was good. I mean, I, I really loved that play. He he's less proud of it now. Uh, I thought it was very interesting because it, it's a kind of sister play to his greatest play, The Pillman, because they're both essentially about the freedom of the writer and whose stories. Um, I guess The Pillman is about everybody needs to tell stories and that's your first responsibility as an artist and a very 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 dark matter was really about colonialism and whose stories get told you know the people whose stories tend to get told and retold are the old white men like hans Christian anderson or charles dickens um and m- m- what martin proffered was that they had black women enslaved um in their attics, who were probably writing the stories, that obviously a metaphor for the fact that you know white men historically for for time have collected folk stories, addressed them in a different way, and made fortunes from yeah. it. So it was a sort of radical idea, really. It was great, you know. And we and again work with um, Jim Broadbent, who again just needs to play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's
1: like it's sort of, and I'd, again, I'd, in a weird way, I don't. Like, this might sound dismissive, but he's kind of undirectable. You've got to let him get on with it. Yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, really let him get on with it, because it, it it directions just seem like to slightly block him or confuse him. because he's, yeah. he's work he's working something out on his own, and uh, and that was a real sort of privilege to 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 watch. And again, that comes with age and experience. I think if I tried to direct Jim when I was in my mid-twenties, I would have just dissolved into a pool of anxiety. But now I just yeah. sort of got, no, it's, got, it, got it's true, right isn't
0: now. it? As, you, as hopefully as one gets older, it's like when when I, when, when Catherine Hunter directed me and Edward Petherbridge in My Perfect Mind, you know, Catherine for me remains, for me one of our great stage actors, and indeed on film increasingly more so, but, and, and she was such a big as a young actor, when I saw her in some of those early Complicito shows and The Visit, I thought, this is yeah, astonishing. Yeah, so astonishing. even though we'd become pals, I still, it was still quite a daunting thing at times to, you know, we asked her to direct that play, partly because I was, Edward Pepperbridge was very prickly around who was going to direct it, so I was trying to, Hayley said, what about Caffin? And Caffin obviously had played Lear, had played The Fool, and um, yeah. um yeah. and it takes time sometimes, I think, to get over, I find, when you're you're so, not in awe exactly, but you have, you admire someone very much and then suddenly you're collaborating in quite a close way. It takes time for that journey to go on, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, it, and it, it, it's a shame in some ways because it can be, Crippling, and it makes me wonder whether it, it, everyone goes through that, or if it's just people from our kind of backgrounds that that go through it. Uh, you know, some people just seem to bound into any scenario with anybody with 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 a with a great deal of confidence. But but you're talking about respect for talent and being in awe of someone, and I totally get that. That's my favorite idiot
0: show. I just love that oh, show. Thank you so very much. No, it, it's a very it's very close powerful. to us. I think that, and it it was so lovely that it seemed to affect a lot of people, because, you know, on yeah. one level, I thought this is about acting and theatre, all the things that I don't really like to see on stage. But it was also about, obviously, friendship and and and, and more than that. So, no, I'm really pleased you yeah. like it. It's a... It was about a
1: very kind of key piece of humanity, which is about I- identity and and who we are, yeah. what when makes when us who we are. To, and when that potentially a big element of that starts to fall away and unravel, it, it, it was it was it was really
0: brilliant oh well thank you and i'm i am i am also i remember talking to you because i think of you uh, in very much as a and not all directors are but i think you very much as an actor's director and some of that obviously goes all the way back to you being an actor and i remember you talking about actors you admire and, and now you're working with some as you always have been some fantastic high profile actors if you could direct anybody on stage uh, uh, at this moment, who would you cast and why? Oh my God.
1: I don't know if I can answer it. No. I mean, I, 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 I... Do you know what? I wish I could remember a name. This is really um, insulting that I can't. There's an Irish actress who is in Martin's new film. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. I've seen it. Seen the, it she played the, the sister? sister. The sister. She's wonderful. I I saw her in some of Martin's early plays and I saw her in um, a brilliant production of uh, Dennis Kelly's play After the End at the Bush and then she moved out to Hollywood and she lives in America now and she's got a very successful career. I think that performance in The Banshees of Inner Sharon is just off the charts. Yeah, it's so very good. Just beautiful and brilliant. Yeah. So... Um, Uh, And I've been stalking her a bit because she's been on a few chat shows in America. So I just, because of the film and I've watched her and I just think she just seems just like a massive human spirit. So that's not very helpful. um, No, no, I think that's a
0: really wonderful answer because I was thinking of someone who, if I, I think again, I'd be slightly awed by it, but if I was to work with this person in, whether that's directing or making something or performing, this will never happen. But I think for me, it would be Mads Mikkelsen. I, right. I, I think he's such an astonishing performer and his background was dance. He came to acting through dance. Right. And have you seen a film called Another Round? No. I, highly I know recommend... the actor
1: you're talking about. Yeah, wonderful,
0: I, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's about, it's a Danish film. and It was my film of the year last year. It's about a group of four middle-aged, ordinary Danish men who are going through midlife and all of this. And then one of them suggests that, through research he's done, scientifically, they will be happier if they keep their alcohol intake topped up to a certain level. So they have <laughs> a pact to drink only during the day, but to keep the alcohol up to a certain level. And I'll only say that, but it's joyous and funny and oh, celebratory and sad. And the performances, include Mickelson and these Danish actors, are brilliant. It's, um, um,
1: it's great to hear that he can do that, because um, have you
0: seen The Hunt?
1: Yes, I enjoyed that I mean
0: that's the wrong like, word But he's brilliant in that
1: Yeah And that seems In terms of An actor's Range To be at the opposite end Of
0: exactly. what I you're think, describing he's, That's well, what makes he's... me think Because I found that film Visceral That film, The Hunt I really did I found it very, very powerful brilliant. Brilliant. And, um, uh Matthew, it's been I could chat much longer And we should do it over a pint We keep saying this But now we've reconnected Yes Let's do that Let's do soon. Yeah. Um, I always finish with a few rapid fire questions, random questions. Uh, if you say the first thing that comes in. Uh, Kerry to... Condon. <laughs> Kerry Condon is the name of that actress. Oh, is it? Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. I, I saw <laughs> the film the other night and I thought it was Kerry amazing, wasn't it? Was a really amazing film. Yeah. Yeah, um, anyway, Sorry, your, go on. your first uh, uh, answer that comes into your head um, Ray Winston or Javier Bardem? Ray Winston. Merlot or Rioja? Rioja. Cornwall or the Lake District?
1: Cornwall. Um, You have
0: to put your prejudice aside for this next question, Matthew. George Best or Colin Bell? colin bell (laughs) (laughs) on that note you simply couldn't do it and for that for that i I, that's a brilliant brilliant end matthew thank you so much for joining us people will love this it's um it's really lovely and i mean what i say through a round before christmas let's get together
1: yeah that'd be fantastic love to the family cheers yeah see you mate
0: bye Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed this idiot podcast, please spread the word.